Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. So favorite draft day moments in Panthers history, draft day moments ever. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Some of this stuff. Hold on. It's Wes. We got to say R.I.P. to Springer. You know what I'm saying? Jerry Springer. And Walker. Wes, I'm going to ask you a question. What's up? It is the day of the number one overall selection. This is true. And you told me to stop talking about the NFL draft. Just to real say, quick. hold on, let's send an RIP out to Jerry Springer. He's a part of our show, though. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. He's a part of our show. Wait. <laughs> it's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Howard Lee, he has it! Touchdown! Biggest heartbreaks. 50, it's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Down, leap for the end zone, and he got it. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. There's the bell sound. We come back. It is team week on the Wesson Walker show. And we are talking about the Tar Heels of North Carolina and their offense that will be under new leadership. Chip Lindsey enters the fray. This is his first year as an offensive coordinator. North Carolina returns eight starters on offense, including, you know who, Mr. Drake May. And when you look at their 2022 Stat rankings from the ACC last year. They were third in scoring. They were number one in touchdown scored. They were number one in total offense. They were second in the league in average yards per play, third in pass efficiency, first in pass completion percentage. This was a prolific passing unit, folks. They were eighth in turnover margin, first in first downs, third in third down offense, number one in first downs passing, but perhaps one of the biggest worries that North Carolina fans should have this season. They were 12th in sacks against. That is not very good. And four offensive linemen return from that same unit for the Tar Heels. Enter Chip Lindsey. He's overseen offenses that have averaged at least 30 points per game in eight of his 11 seasons as a full-time staff member at the collegiate level. He came to Chapel Hill after one season as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at UCF. And while he was there, the Knights had an offense that was 26th nationally in scoring, 11th in total offense, and 8th in rushing offense. And before that, he was at Troy for three seasons. During his second season, Troy was 21st nationally and second in the Sun Belt in passing yards per game. And most importantly, when you talk about those sacks against, maybe he can help shore up that offensive line with his scheme because in that season at Troy, the line ranked third nationally in pro football focus pass blocking efficiency ratings, allowing just nine sacks, six quarterback hits, and 45 hurries. For 60 total pressures in that second season that he had at Troy. So we'll see if 
he can help out the North Carolina offensive line. But again, like I said, you know the key personnel. Drake made 45 big-time throws last season, according to PFF. That was the most in the FBS by a wide margin. The skill set, the skill players. J.J. Jones returns. He's going to be big time for them. Nate McCollum also out there has joined them as well. We'll wait and see on Tez Walker. And the Hills also have to try to find some consistency at the running back position to which they have a great room uh, full of young talent. All right. So if we focus, let's go players and scheme, right? Players are going to be interesting because you don't have Josh Downs anymore. You don't have Antoine Green anymore. You do have some receivers that you feel decent about stepping up, but Tez Walker was one of them, and we don't know if he's going to play. And now, here we are the week of the season opener, a pretty big one, on a neutral site, in Charlotte. So you're going to have a lot of fans on both sides. You're going to have a lot of South Carolina fans and North Carolina fans in attendance at Bank of America Stadium, and you don't know if you have what was thought to be a pretty big wide receiver and how he's going to be in the mix this year. I have no clue. And Fiddy, just to get an update, there's nothing, right? Like, do we know how good or bad we feel about Tez Walker possibly coming back before the season opener? Uh, there's a very good chance they can find out during warmups if he's allowed to play or not. And they're operating like that. They've installed a game plan or they're installing a game plan with him and a game plan without him. And they're going to bring his equipment on with them to Charlotte in case they find out moments before if he can play or not. All right, so how dramatic is that? <laughs> game time decision <laughs> for the NCAA deciding. Uh, all right, we'll decide. Go not on to and be play like your parents anymore. would tell you on a Saturday. Go on outside and play. So it's all about if the weapons can step up and Drake May having a year under his belt. You would hope that that's kind of the idea, right? Each player gets better each year that they're in college football or the NFL, whatever. It often doesn't work like that. In fact, we could just go to the previous QB when the stats go down every single year for Sam Howe. Freshman year was statistically the best season that he had, and then the next season was worse, and then the season after that was even worse than what he did in the first season. So hopefully that's not the case for Drake May. He still pulls everything off to be at least the second player or QB off of the board behind Caleb Williams and these guys can step up in a way that mitigates the loss of a Josh Downs and you mentioned it Wes you know former offensive lineman like yourself you talked about how the big boys up front are going to be vitally important this year. oh they're going to be super important because you're going to protect the prize that is Drake May he is the key to the offense and so when you look at this unit and who the top targets will be. It's got to be J.J. Jones at this point because this is a guy that brings the size to the table, 6'2 210 pounds. He had 24 catches for 434 yards. He was second on the team with over 18 yards per catch. And then Nate McCollum, he is a speed merchant with the Yellow Jackets. In 29 games, he had 75 receptions for 778 yards and four touchdowns but this was a Georgia Tech offense heavy on the run you know how the Yellow Jackets give it up and so uh, these are guys that are going to have to step up because you don't know if Tez Walker is going to be able to play but also when you go and take a look at this rushing attack uh, this is a team that's definitely going to be looking for that to be able to take some of the heat off of Drake May so that he doesn't have to be running out of the pocket all of the time. British Brooks returns after missing all of last season, and I know that they're excited about him returning. Elijah Green, they're 
leading rusher from last season. He's back as well, 558 yards rushing at eight scores he had. And also Amari and Hampton, 401 yards and six touchdowns he had. So they've got capable backs as a team. They rushed for 4.2 yards per carry last season. And the thing is, too, is that a lot of people talked about how teams started to catch up to the Tar Heels as the season went on, and that might have been their demise because when you look at Drake May over the first 10 games, over 3,400 yards passing, 34 touchdowns to three interceptions, also tack on 584 yards rushing with five scores. But over the final four games, 909 passing yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, 114 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. So big discrepancy there as far as just having those gaudy numbers. Because if you look at that, over 10 games, he had 34 and actually 39 total touchdowns. That's almost four per game. Over the final four games, you like to see him at that average, but only six total touchdowns over the last four games. So that's something that Carolina will have to be able to uh, keep him consistent throughout the season because he didn't finish it on a high note. All right, so despite having what is probably the second-best quarterback in all of college football, Mac Brown has made it very clear they want to emphasize the run game this season. Here's Mac Brown talking about just that. So we've talked about running the ball the last two years. We haven't. That's a goal we didn't get accomplished because we didn't really commit to it. We've talked about stopping the run, and now you're not going to get off the field if you let them run for five yards on first down and three yards on second down. Everybody's going to go for third and fourth down with analytics. It's just a new thing. So you've got mm-hmm. to stop the run on first down. So I've told Coach Chiswick, uh, don't talk about the goals, man. Commit to it and stop it. And if we have to put 13 on the line of scrimmage to stop the run and have them throw it <laughs> over our head, go congratulate them if they hit it. But I want the run stopped. So – that is our goal, and we are committing to stop. All right, so you start to hear more commitment to stopping the run than actually running the football. But if you hear the beginning of that soundbite, it was that they wanted to run the ball more. The offensive coordinator, Drake May, Mac Brown relationship all across the board is fascinating because it gets even more fascinating when you include Phil Longo. Mac Brown, pretty frustrated the last two years. Phil Longo was your play caller. What did Mac Brown say at the beginning of that sound clip? We talked about running the ball a lot more effectively and a lot more, period, but we didn't do it the last two years. Well, guess what? Phil Longo isn't the offensive coordinator anymore. So, Mac Brown, 10 days after Longo was dealt with, he goes and finds somebody that likes running the football a lot. You talked about all of those running backs. They got five guys returning, and a lot of them, maybe three, four, maybe even all five, all of them are capable. So, are they going to lean heavily on the run game to the detriment of of Drake May's stats because Wes we've talked about the ACC QB that has the best chance to end up in New York City in the Heisman voting and I kind of shrugged my shoulders I I know Jordan Travis is very good at Florida State I perhaps dismissed him a little too early but I thought it was pretty clearly Drake May because of all the stats he accumulated last year the more you start to pay attention to what Chip Lindsey likes to do, especially with his offense at Troy you can see the Gus Malzahn influence heavily felt and some people argue that he might even lean a little too heavily on the run. Not according to Mac Brown, though. 
Because Mac Brown's been wanting to run the football a lot more, and that's why a lot of people were upset with Longo not picking up yardage in short yardage situations, trying to have extensions of the run game, but not actually running it by running a million bubble screens. He'd probably call a screen to Ian Thomas, your boy, just like he got upset <laughs> with Carolina and Frank Reich doing that. The offensive coordinator spot with Chip Lindsey in here now compared to Phil Longo and the marriage with Drake May, it is going to be fascinating to watch, dare I say, maybe even the most interesting offensive coordinator QB pairing that we have in the ACC, even more so than Cade Klubnick and Garrett Riley, even more so than Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong. Because, Wes, I just have so much faith in Garrett Riley to figure it out. We've seen Anai and Armstrong before. Lindsey and the second best QB in the country? I don't know. Are you going to take the football out of his hands a little bit more so? That's what's going to be fascinating. Well, I think it will definitely help take some of the punishment that he could potentially take off because this was a North Carolina program that was fifth in the ACC last season in rushing attempts. And Drake May had 184 attempts. Granted, they weren't all designed runs, but they want to cut that that total down when you talk about attempts by a long margin. And the way that you can do that is by having guys – and sticking to the run as well, because I know it's easy to get caught up in the Drake May hype, wanting him to get his numbers, wanting him to throw it all over the park. I mean, I would, too, if I had a quarterback that was completing 66% of his throws and threw for 4,300 yards. But that's going to be a key uh, point of emphasis for them is to develop a consistent running attack, because frankly... It helps in in pass blocking as well when you get to soften up those defensive linemen by pounding on them and mauling them just a little bit. But also when you talk about a quarterback like Drake May, it just opens up the game so much more when he's got an effective rushing attack. When you have to worry about that, I mean, could you imagine what he would have done if he would have had Javante Williams and and Carter and that crew with Drake May with the way that that he can play the game? So uh, it's going to be definitely a, a point of emphasis for the Heels, and they need to be able to get that done. And uh, I think it would make Drake even more efficient. So here we are talking about the relationship between the OC and the QB. Well, Chip Lindsey has made it very apparent that Drake May himself is going to have a big role in the way UNC's offensive coaches devise the game plan, quote, for the Gamecocks. Here's Chip's Lin- Chip Lindsey, a quote from him directly. Your quarterback is heavily involved in the game plan. I don't want to call plays that the quarterback does not want. At the end of the day, if I like a play and think it's a good play, but Drake May doesn't feel confident in the play or doesn't feel great about seeing it, then we throw that out. So I want to go to you, Fiddy, because I know you're not the biggest fan of Chip Lindsey coming over as the offensive coordinator, despite some stops, especially with the heavy Gus Malzahn influence. You even have a relationship between him and Todd Munkin. So you have some names there. The name relationship is pretty big, but here we are allowing Drake May, still a younger QB, to have some kind of role in the offensive game plan. How do you feel about that and Chip Lindsey as a whole? Yeah, no, the, the hire was one of the more underwhelming hires across college football. Considering the talent that Drake May is, the offensive skill position talent that, that does reside in Chapel Hill, you should be able to go and get a coordinator who at his last two major stops didn't have his play calling duty stripped away from by, by Gus Malzahn. And that's what happened with Chip Lindsey. Um, in terms of deferring to Drake May having a heavy influence in, in your game plan, like it makes a lot of sense. But he's not a play caller. And so if, if you have confidence in a play and your quarterback doesn't have confidence in a play, you got to – like that's why you're the coach and he's the player. 
Like, call the play. They, they need to execute the play. If it doesn't work, okay, then you, you don't go back to it. But you can't go in there pretty much saying, I'm going to do everything that you want to do because you're a player. You're not seeing the same things I'm seeing up top in a box. Uh, mm, I kind of agree with that, but then I don't agree because Drake May, with his football IQ and the way that he plays the game, I think that's the type of respect they have for uh, his vision and the way that he plays the game out there. So I don't really have an issue with them. A lot of coordinators go over the game playing with their quarterback, what they like, what they don't like. And so uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I like the open approach because it does make sense. Why would I call a play that my quarterback doesn't feel comfortable with? But I also agree with you, right? Like you do want to call the right play that you feel comfortable enough to say, Drake, this is your second year starting in college football. I'm going to go ahead and call this because of my experience over the past decade being involved with bright offense of minds and running an offense that has been successful i have been a part of and the last thing too when you're talking about chip Lindsay coming over and drake may having some of this say remember this offseason plenty of suitors for drake no doubt there. about it player so empowerment when you, when you talk about <laughs> hey drake look why don't you come on board here just stay stay in north carolina and we're going to give you a lot of money don't worry about that but also we're going to allow you to even be a play caller while you move up to the next level in the NFL. Yeah, I'm at, I I wonder if some of this is paying the piper with some of the promises you had this offseason. Oh, no doubt about it. Like you said, you hit it right on the head, man. It's player empowerment time, and to be able to keep a guy like Drake May, you definitely want to give him that freedom and a little bit of <laughs> Stay control. away, Bama. Yeah. Stay away. We're going to give him coaching duties. <laughs> All right, but when we come back, Willie P will join us, and we'll also talk a little bit more Panthers on the other side. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Finishing up the offensive segment, talking about North Carolina for Team Week. Lucky for you, though, we're doubling up. Not only are we talking North Carolina, we're talking South Carolina at 2 o'clock. Going to discuss their offense, and Willie P is about to join us as well in just seven minutes worth of time. Let's get to some Carolina Panthers conversation, though, just real quickly, because amidst all of the cuts that are coming down, I think we have 56 guys on the roster as it currently stands. So the Panthers still have three players they need to cut by the 4 p.m. deadline. Now, what's interesting, I was asking Flounder while he was in here, hey, had I missed anything? Have there been any cuts that got away from me on the Twitter timeline or whatever? He said, no, I think it's still 56 right now. And they're going to practice with these guys. And then they're going to make their final cuts after practice. So no um, pressure. Woo! <laughs> I, mean, <that's, laughs> I love it. How about 56 guys? You know you can only have 53 people on the roster. In reality, 
all likelihood is Scott Fitter is going to go to work even after this. So the roster is going to be set. You're going to see some names that you liked during a previous evaluation process, whether it be guys that were in the NFL draft, people on practice squads of yesteryear. There are going to be names that you like, and so you might even cut and replace those cut guys even after the 4 p.m. deadline. So we'll see what happens. But how about that practice? Are we going to see any fights between dudes trying to get that paycheck, trying to make a 53-man? <laughs> you just might. Whew, uh, you're right. I mean, that is a lot of pressure. Tight end room is what everybody's looking at. You have five tight ends still. So you have your first three, mostly the first three, Hayden Hurst, he's safe. Tommy Trimble, Ian Thomas, Giovanni Ritchie, and Steven Sullivan. Those are your top five tight ends. You're at least cutting one. You could cut two, but at least you're cutting one. So that's going to be a big-time decision to make. Maybe a defensive lineman. They have six guys there. Remember, you're not including outside linebackers, and so six defensive linemen. Base, odd man, front. I don't know if that is a position that could have another risk, even though they already cut Raekwon Williams. We were a little surprised about that. And one guy I do want to mention, Matt Corral, still on the team here, Wes. And the big old question that Carolina has to answer is, do they want to keep three QBs on the roster or not? And if they don't keep them, then Matt Corral is going to be subject to being picked up because you can't keep him safe on the practice squad. He's going to have to clear waivers. So Matt Corral, you could have him, you could be vulnerable in the sense, well, we like him. We also want to shore up depth at other issues. Remember, cornerback, you need some depth there. Keith Taylor no longer with the team. Rajon Wright no longer with the team. Mark Milton, undrafted guy, he's cut. Could be a practice squad player. So you have some positions, some players to add to help the depth. What do you think happens with Matt Corral? I think that they're going to keep him because I think if anything we learn in this league is that anything can happen on a Sunday for sure. And I mean, you talk about what if something did happen to Bryce Young or uh, and he has to miss a game or two maybe and then Andy Dalton goes in and then what if he gets hurt then what do you do so I think when you have a quarterback especially a young guy that's shown some promise like Matt Corral athleticism shown a little bit of arm strength shown uh, some good decision making at times and this is a guy that's just developing after missing all of last season so I think you definitely have to keep him continue to develop him because we know in this league a lot of times when you don't think you're going to have to use a guy you may end up having to use them. I wonder if Carolina's experience last year would make them privy to keeping three QBs because you had guys get hurt left and right. Sam Darnold, yeah, a lot of that was kind of because the QB wasn't playing well. So Baker Mayfield gets hurt. You got to go to Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold gets hurt. You have to go to P.J. Walker. And now it's just a revolving door. The good thing is you don't have any debate on who your number one QB is. Last year you did. It eventually became Sam Darnold, but it wasn't at the beginning of the season. And even P.J. Walker had the brain-melting game against Tampa Bay before he turned into a pumpkin, a guy that got even cut from Chicago after he went to the Bears organization. So you at least know who your number one QB is going to be, and then we'll see if they want to keep three. The other thing to note real quickly, it doesn't have to do anything with a cut, but the Panthers did make uh, Austin Corbett. They put Austin Corbett on the physically unable to perform list. And so that was expected after he suffered a torn ACL in last year's finale. He continues to rehab because he's on the pup list. He'll miss at least the first four games. Wes, if I allow us to go back and just take a quick visit to second take Tuesday upon further review of the film, there was a pressure that Chandler Zavala allowed on a reception to Adam Thielen. Bryce Young got rid of the football, but a swim move, not much resistance from Zavala mm -hmm. on that pressure. I'm not worried about him long term, 
But as far as the first four games, when Austin Corbett is out and you can't have what might have been your best offensive lineman last year, yeah, it's a critical part of the season. Two division foes. It's not crazy to think that Carolina can contend for the division, but you have two against Atlanta and New Orleans right off the rip, important games immediately, and your best right guard is not available. So now you have to put in Zavala, who we like, but hasn't been great in the preseason and is coming off of injury. What does the Austin Corbett pup placement mean for this Carolina Panthers team? Well, it means that you're going to have to wait on arguably one of your better linemen to return and that this line is going to have to make do because you look at what they did in the preseason so far, 37 hurries, uh, or 37 pressures, 23 hurries, allowed seven sacks uh, and seven hits on the quarterback. This was not an offensive line, especially as a starting unit that came out and looked fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. And a lot of people are waiting on Austin Corbett to come back because they feel like that he's going to help. And so now you have to wait at least four games before you're going to get said help to return, and then he's got to get himself uh, back into the swing of things, and possibly he could come in and provide some relief at that position, some stability, uh, but that remains to be seen, and so you can't even begin to think about him until game number five, and so you're just going to have to operate with that mindset. You can't think about Corbin and what he could bring to the table until he's actually out there. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Austin Corbett coming back. Hopefully it's not any longer, because we were talking about him And Austin would even say, yeah, week one, I'm not going to play. We got that pretty early on, but I still thought, all right, well, is there a chance that they just don't put him on the pup list, have him miss week one? Is there a potential that he's ready for week two? It's not a bad sign, in my opinion. It just means that we didn't get the best case scenario. It just means, okay, he's he's going to miss at least four games where maybe you eat up a roster spot because he's going to return for week two, but that's not going to happen. Real quickly, did want to remind you that the playoffs kick into gear in Charlotte September 9th when 22 of the world's elite dirt bike racers take to the track in pursuit of the sport's ultimate prize to be crowned the first ever Super Motocross World Champion. The final quest for the Super Motocross World Championship is fueled by Monster Energy. It begins at ZMAX. Dragway September 9th. You can get your tickets at supermotocross.com. Fan Fest admission included with the ticket again. That's supermotocross.com. Let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Welcome the Renaissance Man, Steamboat Willie P, the voice of Charlotte FC. Willie, how are you doing today? I'm I'm crying in my Keith Taylor jersey, guys. Uh bad, bad day for all of us here in the Keith Taylor fan club. <laughs> I liked him. I thought he was gonna do something as soon as they drafted him. And then did have a decent rookie season, and eventually it just became a little too much to bear with some of the struggles he had last year and preseason, not making too many highlights. Was that, I don't even with you crying in your Keith Taylor jersey, Willie, I can't imagine that was the biggest surprise. Is there a player that you think earns the biggest surprise cut award after what we've seen today? I think just the the surprising part of it, I, I don't think we're surprised by the way they performed that these guys were cut, but the fact that you, know, you have a guy like Shai Smith, who uh, this organization is invested in, gets cut. You have even a guy like uh, Deion Jones, who I think could have been a real key contributor for the linebacker position. Uh, he gets cut. I think a couple of other guys who I was rooting for, like Kobe Jones, who I think had a pretty good camp, uh, even at Raekwon Williams, another, another guy there who I felt like could have earned himself a spot. Uh, they get cut. Uh, I do feel like there is a roster glut at a couple of positions, including tight end and even on the defensive line. So, I do feel like there is at least more to come, but 
I think surprise would just be like, you know, guys who I felt like you were rooting for. And, you know, a lot of this uh, always kind of revolves around what happens when they come back on the practice squad. No, it's not the same as being a rostered player, but I do feel like a lot of these guys who we did like uh, are at least ticketed to join the Panthers in some shape, form, or fashion within the next 24 hours. All right, Willie, I know your opinion changed on Keith Taylor, his impact with the Carolina Panthers since he's cut. My next question is, has your opinion changed on the Panthers winning 12 games after what you witnessed this preseason? Look, I I understand that folks are going to sit there and and, and kind of pigeonhole me into trying to be like, oh, you're going to stick with your predictions. Look, they still haven't played a real real game yet. I'm with it, Willie. This is not antagonistic. I want you to be on the Carolina Panthers, win 12 games, and make the postseason vote. Can they still mathematically win 12 games? Yes. Is the road to get there maybe been made a little bit harder by the way the preseason went? Maybe. But I think also, when you think about the way they approach the preseason, and you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, it's about uh, trying to at least shade their hand a little bit. They're one of four teams that are playing two games in division right off the bat. So it was Frank Reich's uh, prerogative basically to be loath to not even showing even a darn thing. I think they did open things up a little bit in week three just to kind of get Bryce's feet wet, not only scrambling, but also with some of the higher degree of difficulty throws. But as one member of the organization told me earlier this week, you know, if the first two weeks were vanilla, then week three was ultra vanilla because even though they did at least open things up a little bit, uh, they probably played less people than I felt like they initially intended on playing because they felt as good as they could be about their top 22. Willie P. flipping the page to your first love, talking about Charlotte FC. And Ashley Westwood said uh, after they got that win, he loved the way that they went toe-to-toe with them and that they want to play and that they've got their style. And so after this win, how do you feel about that? And what do you feel like is Charlotte FC's style uh, at this point in the season? I think it's fluid, uh, Wes. And, I mean, you could look at the way they played uh, on Saturday. You really can't find many more performances like the one they had, especially in their building. I think it's the best home game they played this particular season. And uh, it, it looked a lot like the kind of dominant play that we saw from them in that building last year. It, uh, they, they had some pretty big uh, opponents come in last year and look awful silly. They had Philadelphia come in last year who was leaving the Eastern Conference and lost 4-0. So, I mean, it's... It, it's possible for Charlotte FC, and they always have had this ability, whenever they see a strong opponent, to kind of play up to that opponent. Uh, unfortunately, they've had the, uh, the the misfortune of playing down to some others as well who are not necessarily on their level. But it definitely puts them back in the playoff hunt. They're three points out with a game on Wednesday night. They still have a game in hand with a team that is in that final playoff spot, Chicago. Both those teams play tomorrow night. So I feel like if, if they can kind of – use the momentum from Saturday, move it into Wednesday. They've got basically a three-game stretch here in one week, and then they'll play, I think, five in the stretch of 17 days beginning on the 16th. Uh, it should be very interesting from the way this stretch run's going to go, and uh, especially in this particular run because they're in the middle of a stretch right now where they're playing four out of five contests in their building, and if Saturday's any indication, uh, the mojo might be back at Bank of America Stadium for them. Yeah, you talk about the mojo being back, and you talk about them having a pathway to the postseason. Like, what what is that formula? If you were the coach, what are the key things for them to do if they want to be able to get into the postseason? Well, I think it, the one thing that Chris Montanzio has said is that they've made a very concerted effort to uh, tell the guys uh, when and how they can be aggressive. And, and there was even one particular moment where – he might have thought they were too aggressive, and it led to a conceded goal the other way, and it, it uh, tied the game in the 75th minute. But 
they put their foot back on the gas, and you saw less than 10 minutes later they ended up getting the game-winning goal from Scott Arfield. So I do feel like their attack is a lot more diverse than it has been in the past, and I think that can only continue. There's also a, quite a bit of competition with the roster. You had two guys who started games for Charlotte FC earlier in the year, and Guzman Carujo and Bill Tuiloma. Uh, Carujo was basically a week-in, week-out starter in 2022 before he got hurt. Uh, neither of those guys even were in the 20-man roster on Saturday. And even Chris Montanzio goes, look, I have to make some tough tactical decisions. I've got new players in the roster that I want to see get a look. And uh, it's going to be a scenario where I think this roster is going to be very competitive down the stretch. They might even get Enzo Capetti back on Wednesday. Uh, Chris Montanzio said he's available for selection. I don't know how much he'll play because I don't know how much you want to mix up uh, what was working on Wednesday. I think trying to insert a player like Capetti into this squad with the way the offense looked on Saturday, might almost be kind of like a, a disruption to the chemistry, but we'll see how uh, Latanzio chooses to employ it. And honestly, guys, I just, you know, as, as much as I want to say it's, uh, it's complicated, it comes back to, you know, doing everything you did on Saturday and rinsing and repeating, you know, wear the same underwear, eat the same breakfast, do everything you possibly can uh, to at least repeat that performance on Saturday because if you play like that, there's not many teams you're going to lose to. All right, Willie, Charlotte FC, they'll play Inter-Miami back-to-back matches. Do you think we see Lionel Messi play in the Queen City? I think the game in Miami, he's probably going to sit because Argentina's got a pair of World Cup qualifiers that precede uh, that game. They play on the 12th and the 17th, and the two games against Charlotte are on the 18th in Miami and the 21st at Charlotte. I think that Inter-Miami tried, at least from a, a standpoint of, of their own uh, begging, to try and at least get the games outside of the international window. But the only particular window they could fit that one in was uh, right at the end there on the on the 18th. So they might try to get Messi back for uh, an emergency appearance off the bench, if possible, in that game on the Wednesday. I do feel like he's going to feature on the Saturday contest if Miami needs a victory or some kind of positive result for their playoff positioning. Uh, I think that game is just too important for them. Uh, if it's a situation where Miami is out of the postseason, maybe they don't play him. Or if their spot is, uh, is secure enough, maybe they don't play him. But uh, I do feel like Messi, uh, we've heard him say earlier this year that you know there's really nothing that's going to necessarily uh, deter him from playing, whether it's turf, whether it's rain, snow, or sleet, whatever. Uh, he's a showman, first and foremost. And I think he wants to at least put on for whoever might be able to see him, whether it's people wearing pink or hopefully a team wearing blue that could possibly get a win over him. All right, Willie, final thing. We have a food question for you. Fiddy came in with thin crust pizza. Fiddy also said that thin crust pizza is the best kind of crust on a pizza. Flounder exiting the studio said that is a horrendous take. Now, me and and Wes, we like pan crust, right? That's our favorite. That's what you were saying. What is Willie P's favorite crust on pizza? Well, well, how how thin is is Fiddy talking? Are we talking like, you know, cracker thin? Are we talking like a a hand-tossed New York style? Hand-tossed New York style, but this was from Pizza Hut, so it's not an uh, yeah, authentic thin crust pie, if you will. Yeah, I think that the hand-tossed New York style is still my favorite. Uh, I also like Neapolitan. Those are kind of my two favorites that I go mm. to. I don't mind uh, the pan pizza or even the Detroit style. Uh, I just that's always a lot of bread for me, and even you know the Chicago deep dish casserole pizza situation. Uh, <laughs> while. Uh, while I will uh, defer, defer to my father for this one because he always would say, you know, those things are, uh, are great food, uh, but they are, in fact, not pizza. I feel like it, it, I should have seen it coming that Willie P's favorite is Neapolitan. It's just a little bougie. Yeah. A little bougie. No doubt. And, and that, Seriously? It is. And, and I feel like that's great. I love it myself, but I should have seen that coming that that would be your favorite pizza. Well, Neap- Neapolitan pizza is 
by virtue, very simplistic. All it is is flour and yeast. That's all it is. And, and you know, cheese, uh, basil, and tomato sauce. That's literally all it is. That, that, if you get fresh ingredients with those mm-hmm. things involved, that's really all you need. You don't need any of the other stuff that's on there. All right. I mean, yeah, fresh ingredients. It seems even more bougie. Really. <laughs> right, I don't think you did right? yourself. I don't think you defended yourself very well. But it doesn't matter. I like Neapolitan, and those were some fresh takes from Willie P on Weston Walker, the voice of Charlotte FC. We always appreciate the time, my man. Thanks again. Thank you, boys. Appreciate Thanks, it. We skipped it last time. We're running out of time, and I don't want to skip it again. So let's go from Willie P to Fitty right now with a flash. You mentioned uh, Austin Corbett starting the season on the pup list. He's not the only player of note in the NFL that will do that. So will Bills pass rusher Von Miller. He'll miss the first four games of 2023. That means games against the Jets, the Raiders, the Washington Commanders, and the Miami Dolphins. And so will Kyler Murray. Uh, He will start the game on the – or he'll start the season on the pup list and – You know, Arizona said, look, we want to compete so bad, we're going to cut Colt McCoy in the process. So, uh, Jonathan Gannon left to be a head coach in Arizona. I think he'll be asking to be back in Philadelphia by week six. What's weird is that we have two teams who won with the Cardinals cutting Colt McCoy, putting Kyler Murray on the pup list. You would think they'd be not, they think they'd be limited at QB, but they're just going straight up with Josh Dobbs. And the Bills, they traded Boogie Basham after Von Miller hits the pup list. So, interesting moves, despite having somebody of note go down on a physically unable to perform list, they trade some depth away at those positions. Yeah, the Bills had a gluttony of guys that they like, younger guys, so Boogie Basham is out. I thought his pro, his career started kind of promising for the Bills, but he's gone now, uh, and then when you talk about the Arizona Cardinals, man, they're taking. They're trying to get that true mock draft scenario, some of them that we've seen with them having the number one and the number two pick, yeah. so they're doing all that they can to get uh, Mr. Caleb Williams and that uh, nacho cheeseburger from Wendy's. Nacho cheeseburger sounds delightful. (laughs) It does not sound bougie, but it does sound delightful. All right. We'll take a visit to the mound. Coming up in the next segment, wait till you hear what happened to Ronald Acuna last night. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. just showing me the latest invention from Wendy's. It's the second nacho cheese-based fast food product that we've talked about this week, <laughs> or in the last week or so. You showed me the nacho cheeseburger at Wendy's. 
Wes. Loaded nacho cheese burger. Yeah, I forgot. it. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else feels this way. I love nacho cheese. It's phenomenal. It's, it's hard to not like nacho cheese. Mm, not okay? the way you were talking. Well, I love it. The problem is it also makes me feel the worst. It, it gives me the most food remorse. Because when I would go to the grilled cheese burrito that Taco Bell served, it's not necessarily the greasiest thing, Taco Bell. But when they serve that, that's when it gets real greasy. And Wes, you tried the grilled cheese tacos. Mm-hmm. I love them too. I tried them once already <laughs> as well. But they're so greasy. They and are. then when you go for the nacho cheese dip in already something just oozing with mess and then you look at that loaded they could you give me any more adjectives to discuss how fat i am the loaded nacho cheese burger from wendy's i mean just every step of the way it's giving you a side eye are you sure you want to eat this i would just yes, love i, do. I would yes, just love I do. to be and you can also get queso fries to go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> i would love to be in these meetings though that's the thing i've always said when they come up with some of these products i would mm-hmm. just love to see and hear the conversations that go down when they decide to make these menu items. Hey, listen, Dave, Dave Thomas, I got it, okay? How about we try the Diabetes Explosion yeah, Burger, right. okay? This, how does that sound? Is that one Hardy's pretty good? is the worst. Yeah, yeah you're Hardee's sure. comes up with stuff. I watch the commercials. I said, man, that those are the meetings I want to be in on. When they come out with a breakfast sandwich that has ham, bacon, and sausage on it, I'm like, how many people are y'all trying to kill? Yeah, Fitty is getting worked. That's up one of them back there. That's right. If somebody <laughs> target that, audience. If somebody does that in the idea room, you know right. you have a burger. Target audience. If somebody you. mentions something and then you hear somebody just in the background, someone will go, Oh God. Probably the most decadent <laughs> burger that I've eaten. From Hardee's before I got the Philly cheesesteak burger that they had. They had the... The Philly cheesesteak burger? Yeah, the I burger that yes, had the patty and the Philly cheesesteak yep. meat on top. That was pretty good. Uh, one <laughs> one time in high school, me and my buddies were at Hardee's. Just to give you an idea of what Hardee's demographic is, right? When we went to Hardee's one time, we had... we had This was over a decade ago. The country dude, long hair, just, you know, not like not like a hillbilly, but a chillbilly. You know, like just somebody that was clowning with everybody, but real cool. He came out and he said he gave it all free ice cream. Just had a big old tray, each of a bowl of ice cream. And Hardy's got some good ice cream now. Don't get it twisted. He came out. He's like, guys, I just thought you guys might like this, man. I used to eat this stuff up when I was high as hell. Bam. (laughs) Serves us free ice cream. And we're like, are we smoking? No, we're just chilling, eating some burgers. It's like, man, I used to eat this up. Eat up, guys. I'll see you later. I was like, okay, that was the coolest dude in the world. Big shout out to Cashier from Hardee's 10 years ago. Patrick in Huntersville brings up, though, too, I saw the other day, the pimento cheese chicken sandwich that they now have at Chick-fil-A. But you're not about it. Nacho cheese is Fitty's thing. Yes. Pimento cheese is not. Yeah, I I mean, like, I've had Me it before, and, like, I can tolerate it enough to where, like, I can eat it, but I do not, I've never had it on chicken uh, Twin Peaks has a pimento cheeseburger. It wasn't my favorite item. I just want to be the Nas that goes to Chick-fil-A <laughs> and just gets a chicken sandwich, maybe a spicy chicken sandwich, add the jalapenos, give me the honey, but no pimento cheese. Yeah, this is a honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich. It sounds really good. It, it, I mean, it looks... Eh, 
I'll just, it looks downright sexual. I just don't like pimento cheese like that. I like how you warned us. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> it sounds sexual. The noises you make enough, we understand exactly what you think about each of these burgers. I like NASCAR Brad writing in the monster biscuit and then... Yeah, West, that's the all, biscuit I was talking about. Where was all, that from? Well, Artie's. Well, all Wes replies back with is the death biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that had Dang all them. three meats on there with cheese and eggs. <laughs> It's uh, what is the most ridiculous fast food item you've ever seen served? I'll tell you one that actually or that you've eaten or eaten. You've seen advertised, whatever. One that is hilarious as to why it's a staple. Yes, I've seen that before. Wes just showed me a picture of the death biscuit. It looks hilarious, (laughs) but I think it's hilarious also that the Baconator was here to stay. So when you first introduced that, <laughs> I get the triple. Wait, how many? Like, are there six yeah, pieces of bacon on that thing? Baconator. They're good, yeah. and everybody wants them around. And it wasn't one of these here for a limited time things. They like, all right. Well, everybody's eating the baconator. We'll just continue serving it. That's that one way. thing people cannot get enough of is bacon. Nine eight zero has a great text. Yeah. Jack in the Box has some wild stuff. They do. But you talk about knowing their target audience. I mean, they know to get every high teenager in the world. Because then it's cheap. That's the best part is that you can go there and get a crap ton of food and spend like eight bucks. You talk about hungover Walker one time. (laughs) He went into Jack in the Box, ate those dollar tacos. And needed to throw up. Yeah, their tacos are the absolute worst they are. I've <laughs> ever had. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're awful. I'm telling you right now, it was the worst thing I could have put in my body after a night of drinking. Jack, and, it sounds good. It sounds good. Hey, let's go to Jack in the Box and get curly fries and spend $7 on what seems like a Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> except you're going to throw it all up pretty quickly afterwards. Yeah, when I get a really bad hangover, I don't want to eat for quite a while. Not that. Not that. Sometimes it helps, right? You have your different spots. They always spots. say greasy food is what will help you get I've past never, it, but I don't know. If I've I never subscribed that. to it yeah. either because I love Bojangles. So many people swear, and I I think Bojangles is decent. I think it's a pretty good hangover food, but if I go too greasy, then it's gonna be awful. Just all that sitting on your stomach. I can't do the greasy food after hangover. I can't do it. Yeah. All right. This is what I want from the text line. All right. We've completely skipped the visit to the mound. <laughs> we went visit to the pound with how fat we are talking about everything we just did. What I want from the text line is craziest food inventions from a fast food place. And also, what is the best hangover food out there? 704-570-9610. We'll bring it in right with the two o'clock hour on Wesson Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Things ought to be presented by Kyle Bay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.